the Atoicide, July 24th. Who can know what happens to two people in love? For weeks on end for them, mere sight of the other produces glee and happiness. They meet, talk, and the days seem endless, and there is always hope for tomorrow. Kisses are cheap, and each action produces a reaction. Yet somehow something changes. He doesn't look at her quite as affectionately anymore. Or she gets a phone call from an ex-lover. There's straightforward talk about homosexual feelings, or one parent begins to interfere too much. Perhaps a malicious rumor appears that one of them is the product of a sex change operation. The world is full of stupidity, but nobody is limited in his or her ability to suffer for love. In this way, life is funny and strange, but always interesting. The enemy is everywhere. One day, He's the one who gets a phone call from an ex-lover. She doesn't know about the great new love that he has and tells him that she's coming to visit him. He tells her not to. The girlfriend overhears one half of the phone call and it seems to her that he is planning to be unfaithful. She fakes her own letter to a fictional lover. She puts it in a place where she knows that he will find it accidentally. But the wind blows it away, and he never reads it. She waits for him to confront her over the affair, and even to appear jealous. But he never does. He wonders about her strange behavior. The ex-girlfriend does find him. She brings with her a child. She tells him that he is the father of the child. He doesn't believe it. But he takes one look into the child's eyes and knows that it is true. He is shattered. He withdraws into a shell. His girlfriend sees how he is, and knows that another woman has bewitched him. She wants to tell him what she has done to him with the fake letter, and how much she really loves him, but she cannot. She knows that he needs to be taught a lesson. He himself also wants to tell her what has happened. But he knows that the baby stands for something. It means that they can never be happy together. What he doesn't know is that it isn't his baby, but his recently deceased brothers. The ex-girlfriend is a witch, and she has cast her spell. She now knows deep in her heart that this man and this woman were destined to be together and that they have a destiny to live for their love and their children will become great, strong individuals and do wonderful things for the country. 
she plans to confess the situation to him, but she cannot bring herself to do it either. Finally, time runs out. She hears the bad news of what has happened because of her hesitation. The two lovers, instead of turning to each other, turned away. Independently, they sat down at a desk and wrote a long note. Then each of them went to the same building on the same afternoon and sat on the ledge of the highest floor, one facing east, one facing west. That was it. Life was over for them. Each hesitated for an hour. The police came. Each person had a mediator pleading to get off of the ledge. Each was asked to come down and reason with the lover, who, unbeknownst to them, happened to be on the other side of the building about to jump as well. Confused, thinking that it was a ruse, they jumped within minutes of each other, wishing the other a long, happy life not knowing that the other really was on the other side of the building, also jumping. And this is how life sometimes ends. The news destroys two sets of parents, as well as the girl who deceived the young man with his brother. How could this happen? A dozen sets of mouths ask. How? There are no answers, only that life is sometimes weaker than love and resolve. Slowly, facts start to trickle in, trickle in, until the whole case is understood. The mother of the young man, who has now lost both of her sons, discovers that before the man jumped, he left medical supplies in a local hospital. The mother of the young woman discovers that her daughter has also left medical samples. There is a small sperm sample in the case of the boy and some frozen eggs from the girl. The son's mother takes resolve. She must have a grandchild from her eldest son. She meets the head doctor of the clinic in question and threatens him with drastic action if he doesn't impregnate her with a test tube baby made of the young lovers' biological materials. I must have a grandchild, she tells him. I must. Life is long, but the dead must have their offspring. There must be another generation to replace the one that was lost. The other mother walks into the same clinic. She feels the same way. She wants to have a child again to give birth to her own grandson. The doctor is devastated and loses all sense of moral worth in the medical profession. The two women begin negotiations with talk show hosts and they get financial donations from people who support them. The mission will take place. Nine months pass, and the grandchildren are born. Yet they aren't shown to the grandmothers who gave birth to them. The mother of the dead boy has given birth to a girl, 
and the mother of the dead girl has given birth to a boy. The ex-girlfriend, the witch, dresses up as a nurse and takes it upon herself to switch the babies. The baby boy is given to the father's mother instead, and the baby girl is given to the mother's mother. The children born of incest will become proper children and will be raised by these middle-aged women as orphans without their real parents but still by their handmaidens. This is how life is sometimes, stronger or weaker than love and resolve.